You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Dominique Side is known by Dom in the music world, and she is a Houston-based singer-songwriter and with a fierce musical voice, a fashionista who sets the trends, and the owner of her own record label. Dominique has built a boutique vegan grocery store, a clothing line, and operates an eco-friendly studio and media complex for the Vegan Bay Music Group, which is home to several gospel artists and other performers. Dominique's EP titled IRL was released last year and showcased an incredible range, mixing pop and R&B with an urban edge, and fans can expect her to continue producing music that is entertaining and empowering. Spreading a message of compassion-based thinking and decision-making, she is redefining the image for vegans everywhere. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome singer-songwriter, fashion trendsetter, and co-owner of the Vegan Bay Music Group, the beautiful Dominique Side, to the show. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. Well, I know that you are from the mighty city of Houston. So are you born and raised in Houston? I would say I was raised here because we moved here when I was like seven or eight years old. But I was born in Biloxi, Mississippi. Hey, there you go. That's a that's a beautiful uh, Gulf Coast town, and I know many of my viewers have been to Biloxi. I have been through and been there many times myself. But for you, can you tell us a little more about your journey in music to this point? For sure. So, I mean, I started singing young, as most people in this space, you know, did. My mom was like, oh, wow, you know, you sing great. So I'm just going to put you in every program that I hear about. And you can sing everywhere that I know about and, you know, sing in church and, you know, wherever else I was welcome, showcases or anything like that. But for a long time, it wasn't ever considered like a viable career choice. You know, it was just kind of like, this is something you can do um, that you're talented in, but, you know, you wouldn't make your living that way. So what do you want to do with your life, Dominique, you know? Um, but when I got to college, uh, I started singing in a gospel choir there. I went to Oral Roberts University for about two years and um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You, nobody's familiar. Oh, yeah. And, um, then I came home because I was a bit homesick. And when I came home, um, I started singing like with an R&B group. I did that for a little bit. And I was like, you know, um, I went and joined a, a church on the south side of Houston and they had a new music director. And he's like, you know, do you want to sing with us? We have a group. Um, and he's well known in the gospel community, James Fortune and Faya. So I joined Faya and I recorded and traveled with them for a few years. But my kids were young and uh, put a strain like on my family life. So I stepped away from music for like 10 years. <laughs> wow. And well, what, so- what, what did you major in at ORU? Was it communication based or music based? You know what? I actually started pre-med. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How, how did you go from pre-med into what you're doing now? My goodness. 
Oh man. I mean, like I said, you know, my family told me I had to choose something that was a viable career choice and I'm, I'm intelligent. And to them, it was like, okay, so you're going to be a doctor or an attorney or, you know, something like that engineer or something. And I said, okay, well, my mom was um, in the healthcare space as a kinesiotherapist and she worked with veterans um, at the VA hospital. She's a veteran herself. And she worked at the VA hospital. I spent a lot of time there volunteering. And, and so I said, I want to be a neurosurgeon. <laughs> so that's what I was studying for. I was studying to be a doctor. That, that was what I was studying for. But then, I don't know, I decided uh, college, it just did not agree with me. I wasn't focused, disciplined. I had done so well in school up until that point without much discipline that it was a completely different world. Like the level of accountability, I wasn't even used to having that for myself. So I was like, okay, this isn't for me right now. Um, but I was really into the music. And I said, oh, how can I still do that? So I went home and got a corporate job and spent a lot of time in the studio and a lot of time singing, um, writing, just you know, honing my gifts. And um, then I- I, I find it funny especially with parents, that uh, anytime the child is interested in music but starts leaning towards like, hey, I want to have a music career, the parents mm -hmm. are more like, I've, and I know it's, it pulls them out of their comfort zone because they want the best for the child, but it's like, get a real job because you're yes. never going to make money doing music. And, and I have seen you know both sides of this coin from interviewing many recording artists. So I always find a kind of humor, especially when the artist actually makes it and it probably brings a little bit more peace to the parents that, oh, my kid actually made it and they're actually taking care of themselves. Is that kind of what happens with yours? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, mine is, I guess my story is a little different in that I, I did, I went the corporate route and said, okay, well, I have, you know, children and a family and people to support. So let me, you know, get these jobs, you know, so I had corporate jobs and learned a lot from each position that I held and people that I worked with. And I took that into an entrepreneurial space. So, you know, I started my first company, then my second, and then my third. And by then it was like, uh, my now business partner, we were having a meeting and this was before Vegan Bay was ever a thing. And he said, what do you really want to do? And I said, I want to get back to music. And, and he had been in music before as well. And he said, well, let's build a studio. And as crazy as that sounded, I just said, okay. It just flew out of my mouth. I didn't even question it. And in my mind, I'm going, what in the world did you just agree to? <laughs> and, and that is a strange road because most what? people would just go pick a studio to go into and start mm -hmm. recording, paying as yeah. they're going along and either making demos or EPs, yeah. getting out them through the digital platforms that are available. But to think, hey, we're just gonna go build a studio and we're gonna do this ourselves. That is, that takes a lot of guts. Well, we a had a step um, of faith. There was a lot of open space in the building where my office was, is, but at the time it was just, I was here 
Um, I'm the co-founder of a small private school. The school was here. And then I used the what used to be a bookstore as the space for the vegan grocery store. So that was here. So there were three things here. There were no other um, rooms taken up on the side of the buildings that we were on. And there was one tenant on the very far end. And so he's like, let's build a studio. And so we picked the room that's down the hall from my office. And we started designing this space and building it out because the whole premise was we can build a space that we can use as much as we want to do whatever we want, do music on our own terms, but we can also rent it out so that it can pay for itself. So I was like, well, that sounds like a great, you know, business model and investment and I'm investing myself and it's something for the community and why not? See, you're, you're one of the people that you are a perfect example. You can even be a perfect mentor to other musicians because one of the biggest things that I've learned over the years, interviewing and talking to so many people in the recording industry, musicians are the absolute worst at business. Yes. They get taken advantage of. They don't know how to read a contract. Uh, they, they don't save their money. They don't no. save part of what they earn. And they're always trying to find, how can I make the next dollar to continue my dream? But they don't yeah. understand of putting things in the right perspective. And you nailed it. <laughs> yes. And, and we encountered that a lot in the beginning when we were, um, we opened the studio officially January, 2020. And as most people know, the quarantine was in March, 2020, yeah. you know, pandemic, everything shut down. And so we had to pivot and we pivoted into virtual everything, you know? So my business partner had experience as a photographer and videographer. He's very much a tech guy. And so he said, okay, people are going to need uh, the churches, the pastors, they're going to need to record their messages. Um, Conferences are going to have to transition to being virtual music. Like people are going to have to do virtual concerts and whatnot. So that's what we did. And um, we had an artist approach us and say, hey, I wanted to do a rooftop virtual concert, you know, at my apartment complex. And we we're like, well, how are you going to pull that off? And he had no idea. And we said, well, why don't you do it here? You know. So that one room that we built out, we kind of cleared space and set up the band and the background singers and produced a virtual concert, streamed it. It was beautiful. That group of people ended up being like the first group of artists that we signed. And we signed them after we contracted them to sing on a record. So my partner and I have a group called The Collective and it's essentially a, a platform that we created for artists and singers from different genres to come together and share their faith. So like as a, an individual artist, I operate in the urban pop space, but I love Christian music. I love gospel music. I've sung it all my life. I still enjoy writing it and producing it. And I didn't want to give that up. Why should I? Yeah. You know, well, yeah. so I mean, and I have, <laughs> you know, the, and I, it's, it's really, it's really strange in today's time because I'm seeing a lot of Christian artists mm -hmm. who 
deep down in they, their heart, they want to cross genres. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in the old days, if you did that, you crucified your career. Yes. Now, no, nobody really cares. But, but, what, but I like the fact that if it's deep down inside you, that if you are a Christian artist, but you, you want to sing R&B or you want to sing pop, go for it. You know, you're not leaving Jesus behind. You're just want to try something new and it's not that big a deal. And, and the way I look at it, more power to them. So I love it when you tell that story. Yeah. So I just, um, embraced that and we created the collective and we invited those singers to participate on that album. So they're all featured on that album and it was our first, um, like full album release for the label. Um, it's a, a record that I still very much enjoy and the visual was shot here in our building and it's beautiful. Um, but it's called Sustainer. That's the name of the album. Uh, the single was the title track. Uh, and we had a great time doing that. And like I said, we signed those uh, artists to our label. So we've got um, five gospel artists and then and then two of us who aren't. <laughs> well, see, I've watched the video uh, of the collective and ladies and gentlemen, it's on YouTube. And not only was it beautifully shot, the music is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. I mean, um, high production value, excellent quality. So you did a stunning job with that. Yes. So, uh, but you also released your first solo album, the mm -hmm. EPIRL in 2021. How would you describe the process in making that one? Ooh, okay. So I tell people, um, I, I took this little road to go from, we're going to build the studio to Dom, which is how I refer to myself in that space. Um, and so initially there was, um, Tatiana Barnett, one of our artists, we released a single on her and that was my first executive producer credit like this is my first step into this space you know executive producer dominique yay then um holidays came around and i released a single um oven so oh come oh come emmanuel but i did it bilingual so there's it's half spanish and half english and so that was my first solo release as a singer and i was like okay I got, I dipped my toe in, you know, I did something that is just me. However, it's still a cover and, you know, some, a song that's very familiar and it's a special cause it's holidays, you know? Um, then we released the collective sustainer and that was another step because executive producer featured singer and songwriter. So I was like, okay, I added one thing each time. Then the next release was IRL. <laughs> so that was executive producer, singer, songwriter, artist, Dom. So this was a completely different space. And that album came from a very personal, vulnerable position because it was like a, telling a story of a relationship journey. So from being in a relationship that wasn't great, to the next song being about um, 
how sometimes you might feel like you're going crazy and like all the things you would entertain in your mind that you would want to do to the person who's hurting you. <laughs> and then the next song is kind of like a, um, I'm better without you kind of situation. Like, you know what? I'm glad you're gone. I'm better without you. And then, and then the third song and the fourth song was like, a. I'm out here and I'm single, but I don't know if you want to be involved with me because I'm not in this space where I'm going to be kind. <laughs> so, gotcha. So, yeah, you had your guard up and yes. you've learned from experience. So in other yes. words, so I know like, I can see that you're coming, but don't be messing with me. <laughs> no, like, I don't think you want these problems. Like there's a lot going on over here. So just tread lightly. There's, there you, you know, go. And then the last song is more like, um, okay, I'm entertaining someone and I'm considering what love, you know, can feel like and look like I'm considering trusting someone and, you know, you're saying and doing all the right things, but you know, you just got to get to know me essentially. So now I understand that your background now is very heavily into veganism. How did all that happen? Yeah, so um, I've been vegan for five years. And um, after about the first year, I started buying things in bulk, you know, just because even though I, we live in Houston, Houston is like one of the largest cities in the country. Four or five years ago, there wasn't nearly as much as far as products that were accessible um, that were replacements for meat. And, you know, people say, oh, why won't you just eat the fruits and the vegetables and the grains and all of these things? Why do you have to replace the meat? And I ate all those things. I still eat all those things. But I didn't go vegan because I didn't like the way meat tasted. I went vegan because I did not like where it came from and what it would do to my body and, and what the whole industry does to the planet. Like, I didn't like any of those things. So... For people to transition more easily or even just to enjoy new things, I wanted to explore what existed, like what products were out there. Why not? I'm a foodie. And as so far as- Is that I, why you created the uh, vegan grocery store? Yes, exactly. So I started ordering things in bulk and, and like splitting the cost with friends online. And then I was like, well, I'll just make a little online store and they would come pick up from my office and then- Eventually I said, well, maybe I just need a storefront, you know? So I did a little grand opening and, and it was first like four or 500 square feet, little tiny space. And then it grew to like 800 square feet. Now I'm in the process of uh, doing site visits and finding like a truly commercial retail space because it wasn't in a retail space. Um, so we can grow, so. So in a way you kind of started it off like a co-op Yes. And then created the store, which I think is an excellent idea because at least with a co-op, you can you can test your mm -hmm. your customer base. You can find out if there is a customer base. You can find out if it starts to grow. And then as you've seen, you can end up doing a full-blown storefront. Yep, exactly. And and people are still like asking about it and looking for it. And I'm like, I promise I'm coming, guys. You know, I didn't forget about you. I'm just, you know, I want it to be amazing, you know. So Well, do you have any advice for anyone thinking thinking about becoming a vegan? Sure. Um, so a couple of things. 
Uh, one, when people ask me, what should my first step be? Like if I'm entertaining the idea of veganism and I want to transition slowly, um, first step I tell people is to get rid of dairy. And it may sound easy because a lot of people say, well, I don't even drink regular milk anymore. And, and that's great, but that's just one thing. <laughs> so um, cheese is very difficult for people and it actually does scientifically have an addictive like component to it. So it makes sense that it would be difficult for people to give up. It takes three to four weeks for dairy to leave your system from the last time you ingested it. Wow, so, I did not know that. Yes, so you really have to take a break for at least a month and your taste buds begin to change. And then you start trying new products and it, it's not really about the comparison, it's about do I enjoy this new thing? You know, I'm, I've gotten past comparisons a long time ago. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to replace this one specific item with the like, like exact one for one. It's really, does this taste good? Whatever this is I'm being presented with, does it taste good? Great, I'll eat it. I don't even care what it's trying to But replace. isn't that what a lot of people do? It's almost like a human instinct or we've been trained by the food company. So if you're wanting to make a change, so let's say mm -hmm. you've just full-blown horrible American diet and then you're like, ah, let, me, let me try going vegetarian. And then maybe you succeed at being a vegetarian. Then you're like, ah, let me let me move over to, to being a full-blown vegan. Mm -hmm. I think with that transition, the comparison stops. But yeah. people who go from being uh, carnivorous to yes. vegan, there's going to be a full-blown comparison like, okay, uh, what plant food tastes like a steak? So yes. then to me, I think the rate of failure is going to be really, really high. Yes. And, and that's one reason why I tell people start with dairy <laughs> because the cheese is the hardest. It honestly is. And then when you start looking at all the foods that they sell in the grocery store um, that you would think would be vegan, they have some sort of milk derivative like chips. Almost every jalapeno chip that is made has milk in it. Really? Yes. So there's literally like two brands that don't use milk with their jalapeno chips, but they do it to cut the pepper. It, I mean, it's. I never thought of that. So that's how they, instead of having the pepper so hot with the yeah. chip, they use the dairy to cut the heat down a bit. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes when you find, um, there's a lot of memes that float around the internet and it's like a face like, ah, when people are reading a label of something that should be vegan otherwise. And I go to the allergens list first because that's the easiest way to spot milk because it has to be listed there. Um, so does eggs and uh, like wheat and soy, those are, like one, you know, top eight, I think allergens have to be listed, peanuts, stuff like that. Okay, let me ask you this. Being vegan. Yes. I am, for one, completely anti-soy for multiple reasons. Okay. Are you anti-soy when it comes to being vegan? No, I'm not anti-soy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I don't, now I know the health benefits of fermented soy. Mm -hmm but I am absolutely against soy products that are not fermented because then there's 
uh, elements of causing hypothyroidism and, and other issues where the fermentation process actually mm -hmm. improves overall health. Yeah, I think um, when people talk about that, I talk about moderation. And so a lot of those studies are based on amounts that are way more than what someone would actually ingest in a day. Yeah. Um, but I get it. Like over time, if you have an increased level of intake of soy or a lot of different things, elements, not, you know, not just soy, then there will be some kind of effect on your health. So um, moderation is essentially what I tell people. And that's the other thing that people don't realize is in a lot of their food. And, and it's not, um, not whole soy, but, you know, fillers and, you know, just. Yeah, because there's a, there was a study, I think it's been, it's been at least 10 years, if not longer. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people misread the study. So they, they think, okay, this Japanese study, they're showing that uh, the, the Japanese eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and mm -hmm. they have soy in their diet. But yeah. they forget to read that the amount of soy per day is probably less than two grams. Yeah. Then when they compared it to the to a U.S. Right. Uh, similar type diet, they said, okay, the fruits and vegetables are there. But wow, you know, their, their soy content is 10 times higher. And that's where some of the health issues started yeah. to show up. So mm -hmm. yeah, and a, like a you lot said, of moderation in small amounts is okay, but not overindulging yeah. like people drinking glasses of soy milk that is an absolute no-no but a lot a lot of that soy that's in like that they're accounting for in an american diet is in processed food so so okay. if you're on a whole food plant-based diet or if even mostly like maybe 80 20 or something like that then you won't even deal with that problem unless you genetically have a sensitivity like an allergy or something like that then that's a completely different story yeah but just the average person a lot of it comes from the processed foods that people buy in the freezer section or the box stuff that's on the shelf and all that kind of like they just don't pay attention to the ingredients now let me ask you this dominique because i know a lot of people i know there are famous people who are vegan and yeah. i've talked to a lot of them and they they love the lifestyle they've been doing it for so long it's i mean it's literally not a diet it is a lifestyle right. Absolutely. And, and they live it to the point to where it doesn't, um, they just do it. They don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like people who go on a diet. They're constantly thinking about it. I'm on a mm -hmm. diet. But a lifestyle just becomes to the point to where it's like driving. Yeah. We can drive down the mm -hmm. street. We don't even think about, about turning the steering wheel or hitting the gas. But we just do it. We're there and we go on about our business. And veganism yep. can be that way if you practice it and learn it and eventually you know you're not tempted by a bag of oreos or doritos oh, and things of that I... sort but for you <laughs> yeah yeah oreos actually are vegan so oreos don't count <laughs> even the cream inside there's no dairy there's no dairy oreos are actually vegan oh yeah. my goodness well ladies and, and gentlemen you just found your your new cheat food right. And believe it or not, salsa verde Doritos are vegan too. Wow. 
Well, no. now I won't feel guilty at all. Now, for you, for you though, is yes. it hard to balance being super fashionable? I have seen your photos, and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put those up so you can see uh, Dominique in what I call—I mean, the most these you like I said before we had the interview. The camera loves you, and. But is it hard to balance being super fashionable and being vegan at the same time? It's challenging. Um, really? Sometimes, sometimes it's challenging in the sense that I have to do more research. I have to put more thought, which is the same thing with your food. You know, like my whole entire life is built around the research that I do and the thought that I put into my purchases. So if you're if you become accustomed to putting thought into the things that you purchase, then it doesn't, it, it begins to be second nature, like you said, but it, it's my whole life. So, you know, it's not just my food. It is my clothes and my shoes and my car and my, the activities, the, the furniture in my office and my home. It, it's everything, everything. So I spend a lot of time curating looks from different designers um, because even though a brand may not be vegan or wholly eco-conscious or sustainable or any of those things that we would love to see, um, I still enjoy a Fendi dress. So I find the ones that are made from a material that does not involve animals. So, so is it, is it hard not to wear leather? No. Really? It's not hard at all for me. And this is a personal conviction. And so I, I tell people all the time, I'm not walking around trying to convince people to go vegan because I feel like it is a very personal conviction. Yeah. Um, the other advice that I give people about veganism is to be stay connected to your why, because if you can stay connected to your why, then it keeps you centered. Um, and for me, even though when I'm coaching other people, um, on transitioning to what I call a compassion mindset. Um, there are ways to be vegan and eco-conscious and sustainable and still wear leather or use leather. And it's basically just, you know, keeping the things that you already have until they're completely worn out or buying resale or pre-owned or, you know, so you're not creating new demand. And that's how I justify like in a luxury car where a non-leather option is not available. Well, if it's pre-owned, I'm not creating new demand. So there. Oh, I love that fact. And you know, I, I think pre-owned is fantastic investment. Yeah. You know, we're not swallowing the depreciation that somebody else did. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That, you know, I, people, I, I tell people, well, if you want that leather bag, you know, go on thread up or something like that and buy a Chanel purse, buy a Louis Vuitton purse. If that's what you want, that's cool. But for me personally, because I actually have a philosophical issue with the idea of dead animals on my person, yeah. I can't wear leather like it it's not okay for me <laughs> yeah and you know i um i had interviewed campbell ritchie who is a, a top celebrity makeup artist and we got into the conversation because like stella McCart uh, uh stella mccartney yeah. Yeah. her fashion and, and and the things campbell told me were like you know cactus leather and and mushroom leather there are other types of leathers out there that if you are 
really into sustainable fashion, you do live the vegan lifestyle and that goes down to the very clothes you wear. There are options out there. Like you said, you have to look for it. You have to read the label. So yeah, if you want Ralph Lauren or Fendi, you should be able to find it. You just got to do a little bit more homework than the average person. Like the, um, I mean, I know you can't see them, but the sneakers that I'm wearing today are Gucci. The Gucci came out with a leather alternative called Demetra, and it's made from wood pulp. And so they released two different sneakers in this material, and I bought both of them. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, what can all of your fans of your work and music expect from you this year? Um, more music and uh, definitely more fashion. I'm working on my own luxury vegan line. Um, so hopefully uh, we're looking to launch in the fall. So be on the lookout for that. And, um, you know, just more of me in the marketplace, doing all the wonderful things and being friends with the camera. <laughs> there you go. Well, what about the, are there any other projects coming out of the Vegan Bay Music Group that we should be okay. looking out for? Absolutely. As, especially if your preference is, you know, the gospel Christian space. So we've had so far four releases this year and we have uh, one or two more slated. So we had the collective released a new album on Good Friday. Um, and so y'all have to go look up the collective. There are three albums, uh, Sustainer, and then there's a holiday album, which of course, when the holidays come back around, you know, you go right back to that. Um, and then we have our latest release. Then we have a uh, called Revival. That's the name of that album. It's amazing. In May, we released um, Anthony Hall, who is my business partner. He did his first full-length album called Roosevelt, and it is getting added to radio every day. It's charting. Um, his single Alter Call is fun. If you like funk, R&B, like, uh, like James Brown feel, or even a little like Prince-ish type vibe, all of that is on that album. It's Amazing. Well, I've got I've got Anthony Hall coming next week, so I look forward to yes. talking to him. Exactly. So there's that um, Nikita Fox, who's been around in the gospel community for a long time. She's uh, one of the Kurt Carr singers. She uh, released an EP, and so that's uh, a project on our label. Uh, Michael Dixon released a full project called How Are You Healing, and it's focusing on mental health. It's a really transformative project. Tatiana wow. Barnett has an uh, album coming out called Audacity. And Anthony, I think, is working on a holiday record. So where can all of my viewers, all of my listeners, mm -hmm. find out more about you and find out more about, well, all the artists you just mentioned and all of their projects? Is there a single place they can go to? Uh, Instagram. <laughs> um, Vegan Bay Music Group. Both Instagram and Facebook. We have both pages. So whichever your preference is for socials, Vegan Bay, V-G-N-B-A-E, music group. Follow us on either or both of those platforms and you'll always be in the uh, know about the releases that we have coming up and what we have in rotation. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Vegan Bay Dom. So V-G-N-B-A-E-D-O-M. And on Facebook, Dominique Side. Hey, wow. Dominique, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on this show. Uh, can't wait to have you back. Can't wait Thanks. to talk to Anthony uh, Hall yeah. next week. And ladies and gentlemen, look, um, 
I love gospel music. I love Christian contemporary. There are so many genres there alone, but you know, a yes. lot of these artists, they like to step out a bit. They want to do uh, things that are different. And you know what the cool thing about that is? The whole world is out there for us to, well, let our light shine. And we just yeah. can't be, well, singing to the choir all the, all the time. We got to let that light get outside those walls. And Dominique's side is doing that. And Dominique, I have got to just, uh, you know, give you kudos and chops here because I am very impressed with your business sense. So all of you musicians who watch me and listen to me, you can learn from this young lady because she's doing it right. And uh, just keep on doing what you're doing. Follow your dreams. And I know mm -hmm. one thing, you're not slowing down. So, uh, you know, who knows? One day it may be Domin Dominique's side that buys Warner Music or Sony. We never know. It may actually happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dominique, for being on the program. And ladies and gentlemen, stick around because guess what? There'll be more right after these messages. You haven't seen anything like Ocu 2020. Primrose Leaf brings you the ultimate optimal eye support formula, containing more than 12 natural ingredients specifically designed and formulated to improve and maintain the health of your eyes. Ocu 2020 may help with the prevention of cataracts and macular degeneration, providing antioxidants specific for your eyes, and proper ocular pressure for those with glaucoma. Don't let the windows to your world be less than their best. Get Ocu 2020 today and start to see things in a whole new way. 844-376-0007 or primroseleaf.com. 